This morning, we're actually coming to the end of our series based, our summer series, which was eight, eight or nine weeks, based on the gospel of John. And, and we, we discover and we survey John, we walk through John, we travel through John, uh, and we discover that the book is written and it has two parts. It's called the book of glory or the book of signs and the book of glory. Start timing now. <laughs> in the book of signs and the book of glory. In the book of signs, what we found out was that Jesus began to reveal himself. Next slide, please. Another one. Jesus began to reveal himself as the Son of God. And the purpose of the whole book was so that we may believe. And that by believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, we will then have power of his life. And that was the purpose of the book. For us to learn, not learn, but these are revelations. These are not things that come into the head and they stay there. When Jesus reveals himself... When Jesus reveals himself, not by name or by address or by ID, but when Jesus reveals the spiritual nature of who he is, we understand that. Head knowledge is good because it has to be there for it to come down to the heart. So the purpose of the book is for us to realize, to know that he is the Messiah and we had a wonderful series, uh, three, three, three series on that one. That he is the son of God and that we have life in him. Today we're going to come to a close because um, it's the end of August. And in this book we also discover God's power revealed through Jesus. But in such a way, in such a way that he reveals himself not as a king, powerful owner but rather as a humble servant that went all the way down to the death. In the six signs that, that we saw, we saw Jesus turning water into? I thought that was lemon juice. It's lime. It, I mean, it's not lime. It's wine. <laughs> See where my taste buds have been having a lot of. Changing water into wine, healing an officer's son, Waking on, uh, walking on water, feeding the multitude, healing the blind man, and the last one that he did, a week before he was actually, a week or two weeks before he was actually crucified, was the rising of Lazarus. In each one of these, um, in, in each one of these uh, signs, there is something that, uh, there is a powerful manifestation a powerful manifestation that people are baffled with. They are taken back. What is this? Who is this? And suddenly he begins to explain. So I like to define glory, sister theologian, as God's power and significance. Because each one of these powers has a meaning. The sign or the miracle in John was not done for, for just the miracle. It was to explain, to show, to demonstrate that Jesus is the Messiah that Jesus is the Son of God, and, and in Him we have life. Each one of the signs, for example, the feeding of the multitude. What does that mean? Jesus just can be, you know, a Burger King and let everybody in for 24 hours on my bail? It meant that Jesus was actually our sustenance. That those elements that keep us alive, those elements that keep us uh, 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 excited about life. 
And Jesus, it is in that one sign that he declares himself to be, I am the bread of life. So each one of the signs leading to a significant spiritual power of Christ. Now, in, the book, in this book, for example, right now at the end where we're at, let me read the scripture and then I'll continue. Okay? I'm reading, it's in your worship guide. So if, I, if you look for uh, the back of the worship guide, you will find this reading out of the John chapter 21, verses 31 through 34. And uh, you found it in the back of your bulletins? Okay. Listen to them for the word of the Lord. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. Jesus also did many, many things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books they would, they would be written. The word of the Lord. In every gospel, we find Jesus encountering people. Other, you know, either he encounters them or he calls, people call him out or they actually make appointments like Nicodemus. <laughs> In order to finish this presentation, I want to talk about uh, some of the characters that we find in John. And what, how those characters in John respond to, to the amazing experience of having Jesus Christ interfaced, interfere, and sometimes interrupt their lives. So let's see, what kind of characters did Jesus meet while he was here walking on earth? One of them was John the Baptist. Actually, one of the first ones that we know about is John the Baptist. And, and, and interestingly enough, John the Baptist uh, uh, had a wonderful, amazing experience with Jesus. He lost his head. Literally, uh, because he began to confront the authorities. He began to do all these kind of things. But he was Jesus' cousin, and, and he actually baptized Jesus. The amazing thing was that he was a fulfillment of prophecy. He was the one called to, and he was the one who called Jesus, who gave Jesus the title, the Lamb of God. Another one who, who perhaps was more daring and more bold in his revelation of Jesus, was actually Nathaniel. Nathaniel, after having one of these amazing experiences and encounter with Jesus, he realizes that this is, and he actually calls it and names it, this is the Son of God. After Nathaniel, we then have the Samaritan woman. Oh, Jesus met many people, but just a Samaritan woman. And he had an amazing encounter with Jesus. Her life was transformed. Her inner image was transformed. And she claimed to be saved. That was exciting for her. But she was still afraid of the other ones. Now, in those, three people, those first three individuals that I mentioned, I want to ask you the question. When they met Jesus, they were in a state, in a circumstances, emotions, you know, things were happening to them. And Jesus then meets them. The question I have is, um, how many of them thrived once they met Jesus? How many of them sur uh, were just survivals? 
How many of them went from, from just merely trying to survive to thrive? I, I, I asked that question in a, in a comedic form because I don't know if somebody would think that that was the experience of John the Baptist. <laughs> because not long after he meets Jesus, he loses his head over, literally. You know, was that thriving or was that? <laughs> so I have my question marks on that one. But when I come, I come to Nathaniel and I go to the Samaritan woman, I find the experience of these individuals, once they meet Jesus, their lives begin to change. Now, when we talk about a life-changing event, that takes about through series of maybe days, months, years. Because the same, uh, the, the, the Pat Allerson that I met six years ago, and the Pam Jones that I, that I met six years ago, and the Charlie Allen that I met six years ago, uh, uh, they're very similar but they don't talk the same things. Because always God wants us to grow spiritually, and that requires for us to change. So the question is, the Samaritan woman better off before she met Jesus or better off after she met Jesus? Another uh, individual that, that we know met the Lord was Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus is, is told that he's what? A religious leader? So he's a religious leader, and he makes an appointment with Jesus. But you know who he make, when he makes the appointment with Jesus? In the dark of the night. When you weren't supposed to be out there through the streets of Jerusalem, Nicodemus shows up. And Nicodemus, in the quiet of the night, has this conversation with Jesus. He was trying to calm things down a little bit because they were heated politically and religiously. You have to understand that the religious world of that day was very, very combined and intertwined to the, uh, the politics of the era. So interesting enough, the, the whole idea of, of these of this people, Nicodemus, meeting Jesus, was his life better off before? Was he into a survival mode? Or is he thriving after he meets Jesus? There was a, a group of uh, a mother, single mother, and two brothers, a, a brother and a sister. Their name was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. This family was wealthy, very wealthy. Thank you. Good, you don't have that camera. <laughs> so, so Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were a very wealthy family. You can actually go today to, to Jerusalem, to the outskirts in Bethesda, and uh, in Beth Bethsaida, and, uh, and see the, the home, the ruins of the home, with the layers of pools, water flowing down. The, there is a, a computer-generated imagery of the whole area. And it's just a beautiful place to hang out that every one of us would love to go, in spite of the heat of, of, the, of Israel. Um, the pools made a very refreshing place. And Jesus used to have wealthy friends, too. And he would, and he would hang out in their cabins. I mean, in, in their... <laughs> Uh, in the cabin, so, so he would have that family that would support, you know, and, and, and give him that place of rest right before he gets into Jerusalem. He did this several times before getting into Jerusalem. He would rest at the Mary, La Mary, Martha, and Lazarus home. How was their life once they met Jesus? How many times did they change? Or how many uh, times did they experience from survival 
to excitement in life. Mary was the one who also anointed Jesus' feet as he was laying eating in the house. And some of his disciples complained that she took the most expensive of all the perfumes and poured it on Jesus, wasting that money. Well, the disciples apparently didn't know much about who she was because she was the daughter of a very wealthy perfume warehouse. The worst thing that she may have done was knock into daddy's warehouse and say, I want to give the best of the best of the best to my Savior. And she took it from there and she poured it up in her hair, and I mean, his hair and his feet. I wonder what significance that had for her, for her own life, her own spirit. I wonder sometimes. Was she thriving after that encounter with Jesus? We have the disciples who also encounter Jesus. And, and their stories, we have written at least four of them. And, and in the four of them, we have some, and, and in the book of Acts, and we have some other stories intertwining together in all of them. But the four, you know, the four gospels were the basics. And, and so they would talk about Jesus. They would argue with Jesus. They, they were the in people of Jesus. Jesus is a, a peeps. Jesus is, you know, a crib, family crib. There were also... Other people Jesus met throughout his life here in Palestine. Very prominent people, obviously. Very um, important people. His name was Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate. I wonder how did their life change after they had their interactions with Jesus? Towards the 19th chapter, uh, 18 and 19th chapter of John, you have the arrest of Jesus in chapter 17. You have the entire back and forth from one court to the other on 18. And then you have the beginning of the resurrection in chapter 19. I wonder what was the reaction. Did Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate's life be changed towards the better or towards the worse? Then there is one character who was just following orders. Good military man. He was a, a centurion, apparently, meaning the leader of, of the whole squadron who was, no, I don't know if I've mixed up all this, the leader of the squadron who was in charge of executions in Jerusalem. And this one soldier in chapter 19 stands right there in the, in the cross and he sees the people crying, but suddenly he sees the shadows, the skies are darkening. Suddenly he begins to experience, what is going on here? Tornado, no. It darkens. And he's only with enough, left with enough breath to say, this was surely the Son of God. I wonder how his life changed from making that execution The legend says that he did meet Jesus and that he did come to Christ because of that encounter with Jesus. Thriving. Thriving in the Lord. Those were some other people. But then, something happens in the book that breaks everybody's head. He's arrested He's taken to, to jail. He's at the cross. He's died. 
And the last thing that anybody expected happened on chapter 20 when Jesus rose from the dead. What? A dead man got up to walk. What? The same one? <laughs> yeah, actually. So the birth of the resurrection power has been revealed, has been bursted out. The resurrection power can change hearts. The resurrection power can change minds. The, re the resurrection power can actually change us with us even knowing. The glory of the resurrection, which is what's manifested, that changes us. Perhaps what we need to pray for is for, Lord, listen to this. Lord, reveal yourself to me. That is a very powerful spiritual prayer. Very simple. Can you say it with me? Lord, one, two, three. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Simple. It's a spiritual practice. Okay. Jesus also said in this book all the way to the end, amazing things about himself. That when we think about it, uh, is he... Um, asking us to, to kind of survive or to thrive. Listen to this. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the salt. I am the light. I am the life. I am the truth. I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Listen to those words. Uh, if you can close your eyes and just listen to the words, I am the resurrection. Now sometimes, uh, uh, and again I wonder, with that I am the resurrection, I am the way, I am the truth, with a, with a ten statements of the I am's, and there's a whole bunch more that are, you know, first or second negative. But I wonder what those words, I am. And then, he's, you see, by him saying I am, all he's saying is, I am this for you. I am the way for you. I am the life for you. And the best one that we can hear, I am the resurrection for you. Amen? Let's pray it again. Oh, Lord, reveal yourself to me. Amen. And so, Jesus is crucified. Jesus is risen from the dead. And therefore, He is God. So the Word became flesh, became human, and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and grace and faithfulness. And we have been, and we have seen the glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Pray with me. O oh Lord, reveal Yourself to me. God of all families, we thank You. God of all peoples, we thank You for revealing Yourself to so many generations throughout so many years. It's our turn now. Lord, please reveal yourself to us. We thank you for this wonderful time. We thank you for the anointing of your word. We thank you for the, the blessings 
of your presence in our lives. We thank you, O oh God, for the amazing way in which you teach us, you guide us. May we, may we be aware and, and, and woke up enough so that we can see your hand, see your, your, your move in our lives, hear your voice, and respond appropriately to that grace by gratitude. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We pray for this small community called Light of Hope. We pray, O oh God, for the spirit, the new spirit that we experience here of freshness, newness of love and, and, and fellowship. We thank you for that. We thank you for the fact that we have this property and that we can use it and share it and, and, and you know, make it actually be for your glory, not because of what happens only on Sunday morning for one hour. We thank you, Lord, for the families that gather here, for the children ministries, for every one of them. We pray for each family, for each mom and dad, grandpa and grandma. Lord, we also pray for ourselves our needs, our hidden needs, those that we're running away from. Heal us. Touch us. Move us closer to your presence. Lord, we also thank you for those of our family who are not well and are sick in their homes or in some kind of hospital or rehab. We pray for them. We ask you to strengthen them and uplift them. We ask you to give joy and we thank you we pray for this community and the schools and the teachers the health staff that surrounds us the first responders police and firefighters and some EMS and so many people who care for this community and are committed to bring it to better stances for your glory Lord, we also thank you for this church and the many churches around the community. Bless them. Encourage them to seek you and not traditions. To seek you and your truth. They will make us all free. But above all, we thank you for that individual who came down, was born in, in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem. Who walked and spoke mysterious words that touch every generation for at least 200 of them, 2,000 years. Who taught us to pray saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us not. Forgive us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory, and the glory forever. Amen.